What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Omer Gaming Podcast, episode 13. As always, I'm Manny, and I am here with the whole Omer Gaming crew. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hey. Hey, Manny. What's going on? The whole team is here. Woo! How's everybody doing? Happy uh, whatever day it is. Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Happy whatever. Happy, Happy whatever Tuesday. day. Happy after MLK day. <laughs> yes. Usually we go around and we do like a how, you, how have you been kind of thing, but... Uh, We'll do this. We'll go around and we'll say one word to describe our day. Oh. <laughs> I'll go first. Uh, chill. I'll go next. Um, bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you're next. Uh, my day became great. Oh. We're both great. Yay. Great. Okay. Okay. Matt's plural. Uh, Matt, too. You go first. <laughs> uh, I'll say meh. you say meh. Okay. Uh, my word will be laundry. Okay. <laughs> so Matt's day was laundry. I understand. I mean, I I could explain it, but people would just be frustrated by the story because I'm frustrated by yeah, it. Yeah. Plus, yeah. I said one word, and we're already already going over the limit. Okay. Oh. Okay. I do have to mention I got the SNES Classic. I'm so. Oh, pumped. that's true. That's so pumped. Yay. That is tight. Because we did spend a few podcasts ranting about it, so I feel like the people <laughs> would love to know that I now the people need to know am getting one. By January 18th. Thank you, Amazon Prime. Very excited. Wow. That's two days from right now. Well, folks, for this episode, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about. The topic of the pod is a fun one. So for today's topic, we're going to talk about our best villains. So the best villains in gaming that we've encountered. And uh, we're going to talk about why they're our favorites. And then we're going to have sort of a group discussion about what a super fight between all of those villains would look like. So So I'm excited for that talk. So before we get to any of that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. So first on housekeeping, our Discord server. We now have a Discord server and everyone should join it. Uh, unless you're racist. Uh, so the link to join our Discord server is on our Twitter page. So check us out on Twitter, at Omra underscore gaming, and join the server through there. We have a really fun community. There's been a handful of folks who have already joined, and uh, really good discussions pretty much going all day into the wee, wee hours of the night. Next on housekeeping, we have a phone number now. So we have a phone number that you can call in and leave us a message. You might even be featured on the podcast or in an article. Um, and that number is 347-509-5620. And the cool thing is, is that we already got a voicemail. <gasps> oh! Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. So let's listen to it now. So this is a uh, friend of the show, Steel called in uh, with a little message that he wanted to uh, share with us about uh, something we talked about many times on the podcast. So uh, with that, let's give it a quick listen. If you are releasing a game that has pre-orders, you are promising that to people at a certain date. And that then is going to encourage publishers to push devs into a crunch cycle. So instead of getting to develop the game at sort of a healthy, natural pace, you are being crunched by your publisher to crank this thing out and get it done. Uh, And that's how we get situations like Mass Effect Andromeda. I mean, there was a lot else that went into that game, but at a certain point, there was so much commercial interest in just getting the game released that EA was no longer willing to let BioWare develop and tweak the game. Compare that, for example, to a studio like Naughty Dog that doesn't rely on pre-ordering as much, and where Sony will allow Naughty Dog to develop and tweak and iterate for far longer. What I'll say in response to Steele is that, well, he's right, because that's exactly what also happened with Activision and Bungie and Destiny 2. They literally made 
every mistake they made with the release of Destiny, again with Destiny 2, because they had Activision breathing down their neck saying, we got to release this. There's uh, articles about how Activision has a timeline for Bungie for when Destiny 3 should come out already. So, like, there's all these things that they have to hit, so... They just had to pump that game out. But but my question would be, is that release date dictated by pre-orders? Like, I would think that they're saying, okay, this is our date. How are we doing on development? If good, then pre-orders. If not, then not pre-orders. No, I think the date, I think the date is dictated by the, the actual game company who's saying, we need to release it by this day. So you as a developer need to get it out there. The pre-orders are just coming from the fact that the game companies are giving a concrete release date and then but if you look at a lot of the games coming out this year not a lot of release dates not a lot of hard and fast release dates like even god of war which is slated to come out in march that's only two months away and it's still just looking at as march you'd think when we're only two months away from this release we'd actually get a concrete date but they're kind of giving themselves the opportunity to be like you know what it's not quite ready yet so let's keep pushing it out and I think yeah, you might end up yeah. seeing more of that from video game studios that aren't so hard pressed to like meet those certain deadlines. Like, cause Activision, they need to get those games out. Like, what is it? Cause obviously there's a Call of Duty game every year, and then they they want to stay on this timeline now with Destiny, maybe every three or four years. So, but I guess I'm I'm I don't understand that. I don't see the correlation between pre-releases and dates like i feel like the dates are already released they're already out there the, the dates are what's causing crunch time not the pre-releases no i think you know what it is i think pre-orders also add like just an extra element of stress like well we put the date out there we have all these pre-orders and all these people are going to be very disappointed if it's not out and ready by this time so i think i don't think it's the cause but i think it's just an added factor to these games not always living up to the standard they should be but then, I mean, you have cases like Ubisoft and and Far Cry Five. I mean, they have they've been having pre-releases on that game since I don't know, maybe November, and they're pushing it back a month. I mean, a month isn't huge in the in the scheme of things, but you know, I mean, that's a case where pre-releases or not, they're hopefully using the time to to make a better game. Um, but anyway, thanks for calling in, Steel. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks, again, Steel. Again, that number is three four seven five zero nine five six two zero. So. Give us a call. Let us know what you want to talk about. I want to hear your voice. Just leave us your message. Leave us your social security number and the passwords to your emails. <laughs> um, next on housekeeping, follow us on social media. So we're at Ombra underscore gaming at tw- on Twitter. And uh, we are at Ombra gaming on the Insta. And uh, also sign the uh, White House petition for us to get a Snapchat. Last on housekeeping, guys, this episode is brought to you by the very fine folks at insert coin clothing so we're teaming up with insert coin clothing for the entirety of 2018 if you're not familiar insert coin clothing makes amazing gamer related clothing Uh, so if you want to look good while you're playing video games and you want people to know that you play video games check out uh check out (laughs) omergaming.com Check out insertcoinclothing.com. They have awesome stuff. And on top of that, our listeners and supporters get a 15% off code. So use the code OMBRA18IC. That's O-M-B-R-A, the number 18, I-C, as in the letters I-C. And you get 15% off your next purchase. Uh, That doesn't apply for bundled items or items that are already on sale. And you know what I always say, man? New year. New gear. New year, new gear. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> new year, new gear. New year, That's new gear. great. So huge thanks to the uh, to the great folks at Insert Coin Clothing. 
So with that, folks, let's move on to the topic of the pod. So what we're going to do here is we're going to go around the group. Each of us are going to talk about uh, one of our favorite villains that we have faced in a video game. And then after we go around and, and talk a little bit about each one individually, we're going to have a group conversation about what a super fight between all of them would look like. There is no time limit. There are no parameters about platform or year or anything like that. So we're going to sort of let our imaginations run wild. All right, since Matt has so generously offered to go first, why don't we kick it off with Matt 1. All right, so one of my favorite villains, and this is a throwback because I think there's a lot of great villains in gaming. Um, But this is one of the first ones that I played through and was like, oh, goodness, is Jack of Blades from the Fable games um if you're not familiar with who he is or those games he's sort of the architect of the entire plot that you go through um and it's just slowly revealed to you what is actually going on and and who's actually behind it to set the scene a little bit you're a kid when you start the game and your town is burnt down by bandits your dad's killed and you think that your mom and your sister are killed too uh you're taken in by a guild of heroes you're trained as one that's sort of like the tutorial of the game you you learn how to use your weapons and stuff and magic slowly you uncover that actually your sister is alive and uh you end up killing or you you can choose either to kill or spare the bandit king and you meet her after you make that decision uh at around the same time you're sent to meet with an archaeologist by the guild uh master who I believe is the first person to mention even the name Jack or Jack of Blades. Uh, Then you get another quest where you go to an arena and you do a series of fight against enemies, sort of like the typical gladiator type quest where you're in an arena and first it's this type enemy that you have to defeat and then it's this type. However, at the very end, a special guest is announced and introduced as the hero of heroes, jack of blades and he's standing up above you in, in sort of the arena uh and he offers you one last round you you have been fighting with your best friend up up to this point uh whisper against all these enemies and the last round is that you fight each other and your decision at the end is do you kill your f- best friend or not and you get a bonus prize if you kill her so it's one of those moments where you can really question your direction that you want to go in the game And then after that fight, you actually talk with Jack and you learn that your mother is alive too. Uh, You go meet your sister and she tells you finally that Jack's actually responsible for murdering your father and ripping out your sister's eyes. So it's just revelation after revelation that sort of really just picks up like, holy, holy shit, this guy that I was just talking to in a hallway alone is actually this insane murderer and just like really sick individual um, and now I have to go save my mother. And then the game progresses. So yeah, he's like from another realm or something, like the Void. But he is he's one of those sort of like conniving, smooth talker villains, which I love. Those are sort of my favorite type Those of are fantastic villains. Yeah, yeah. The, the manipulative ones, usually that's like their strength. But he is both super manipulative and also like an insane murderer that will just kill people with no remorse at all and he is like reforging this sword i think it's called the sword of eons i forget if that's correct or not um to just like cause more destruction um so he's also a pretty good fighter yeah so he's he's got a lot going for him he's got a lot going for him. <laughs> he's got a lot going for him as a villain i mean 
Um, yeah. Got a pretty good resume. <laughs> you know, you look at his LinkedIn profile. It's pretty filled out. He's got a few <laughs> recommendations from folks. He's, he's been recommended for Microsoft Excel like a dozen <laughs> times. And public speaking. Yeah. I, I want somebody yeah. to recommend me on LinkedIn for bravery or something. Yeah, so that's my villain, Jack of Blades. He also has got a dope name, Jack of Blades. All right, Matt. Well, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Who wants to go next? Shall I pick? I shall pick, and I pick Christine. Why don't you go next? Awesome. So probably my favorite video game villain of all time is Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2. Yeah, he's a really good pick. One, the writing in Borderlands is incredible, and his character is written so well in that he is just the biggest asshole in that game. He follows you and taunts you throughout your missions as and through the story, and he even gives you a mission where he's like, you know what, I'll pay you to kill yourself. And if you do, he's like, wow, you really are a little bitch, but here's your money anyway. And what I like about him the most is that he truly believes he is the hero that Pandora needs and that he's doing the world a favor. So backstory for those that don't know, he's kind of like the villain also in the first game. They kind of lead it up to that, although you don't know. Um, you're aided by this girl, Angel, who happens to be his daughter. And she is a siren, and he um, is using her to charge this key to bring out um, this creature that he'll use to control Pandora, which is the planet. He looks at it as like, well, I'm doing this to protect my daughter from all the bandits and all these vault hunters down on Pandora that are just terrible. And he kind of has like this cleansing mentality where he's going to cleanse the world and make it this utopia, Um, which is really interesting because... Even though he's still an asshole and evil, as if you played the pre-sequel as well, which takes place um, right before 2, or really 1 and 2, you kind of see like how he progresses into that really big villain from 2, from kind of like this guy that wants to just make the world a better place, so okay, he's totally batshit, insane, and crazy. Um, and one of my favorite lines that he says, he goes into this whole story um, and he's like, you know, this is what I don't get about you bad guys. You know the hero's gonna win, but you just don't die quickly. And he goes into this whole, like, spiel about how he spoons a guy's eyeballs out. And he finds it hilarious. He, it's insane. But again, it underscores that point of he's the villain, but this he just sees himself as the hero. And, and Damian Clark is an amazing voice actor. You might recognize him um, as a voice actor for Cell from the Dragon Ball Z series and video games. He's insanely talented, so... I love Handsome Jack. <laughs> handsome Jack. Yeah. So we got we got two Jacks. Yes, two Jacks. Who's, our third, who's our third Jack? <laughs> Jack Jack. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully there's at least one more Jack. But um, Matt, too, why don't you go next? Well, sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I went with GLaDOS from the uh, Portal games. She's probably one of the more iconic uh, video game villains just because, like, she's in the Portal games – there's really not a lot of other characters, especially in the first one. It's there's only two. There's the protagonist who doesn't speak, says nothing, and then there's Glados, and so she's really like, if she wasn't like a strong character, the video game wouldn't like been nearly as impactful as it was. But like she just has some of like the best dialogue, some of the most clever writing, and it's she's just her, despite just being what's supposed to be like what could have just been like an emotionless just you know oppressive robot she they give her like these like amazing like passive aggressiveness 
that just like gnaws at you the entirety of the game. Where it's just like, oh, you completed this task, but it wasn't, you didn't do it very well. And she's watching you the entirety of the game. So she's always, like, like a lot of the reasons, like you said, like with Handsome Jack, like he, she's, she's observing you and watching you the whole way and just sort of like just berating you on your skill and your lack of progress and just kind of like toying with you psychologically. Like there's a the part with the cube and she's like, this cube is going to be like your friend and you have to you know, take care of this cube and get it to the end of the level without getting it destroyed. And then it's like, okay, now put it in here. And then you find out like, oh yeah, that you just destroyed the cube. You just killed your only friend. And it's just like, it's like almost like sadistic in a way. And also her voice just makes her all It's what, yeah, the voice terrifying. is incredible. It's, yeah, I know like the voice actress, she's like this like trained opera singer, I think. Yeah, I read something, yeah. but she's like, yeah, and it's it's so good. Just like her like cadence, it sounds like very artificial, but like there's like a personality behind it. Yeah, and, um, and like on the surface, mm-hmm. she sounds friendly. Yeah, that's the thing. Like she never, at no point does she ever sound like villainous or, I mean, at some point towards the very end, like when her personality starts to degrade, then she turns that way. But just through like the her like dialogue, you can kind of tell because halfway through the game like she tries to kill you and says like okay it's time for you to die and then you escape and at this point you can kind of like almost hear like not in her the way her voice sounds but just in the way that like she starts trying to get like deceive you and like she becomes like increasingly desperate sort of she's like oh we weren't really trying to kill you obviously i knew you would escape so just come back and we'll like i'll give you the cake and then you keep going and going and she starts becoming saying like you know you i thought we were friends you're like you're really bad at this i and then she's like making fun of you because she's saying like you're fat like it's, <laughs> it's it, and it gets ridiculous and i feel like she because she's the main villain in Portal 2, I mean, in Portal 1, you defeat her. And it's like, there's such like a great build up to her just because like she's the only other character in the whole game. And she's literally been berating you the whole time. So by the time you finally like encounter her, it's just such a satisfying final uh, confrontation. And I think she like, the sequel, I think, makes her even better just because like she's, she's sort of the villain like in the beginning of the game, like the first half, but she's kind of malfunctioning and eventually you beat her and then another villain takes her place. And she kind of becomes a, the deuteragonist, basically. So you have to work together and you find out a little more about her. Like, she's have is based off, like, the personality of this person who used to work there. And you kind of feel like, oh, you're, like, you sort of, like, almost make, like, a friendship. And then at the end, it's, like, it seems like she's going to let you go. And she's, like, oh, I learned a lot from you. Like, now I know what to do. And you think, like, she's going to kill you. And she basically just says, like, I'm not going to try to kill you anymore because it's just too hard and it's not worth my effort. So she just lets you go. But it's it's. I would also put that as one of my favorite endings of all time. The ending to Portal Two. <laughs> but that like that's for another day. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, pretty iconic as far as as far as villains go. Um, I'm gonna try to wait out my roommate talking really loudly downstairs. So uh, so Steve, why don't you go next? <laughs> so I think we should since we're talking about villains, we should all collectively agree to throw an honorable mention out to the Joker because let's he be was real, he was my he's the other best villain choice, of all time. The Arkham Arkham Asylum Joker. Yeah, he's a yep. good one. Yep. Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight. No, it was um Arkham City. Excuse me, not Arkham Knight. Arkham Town. He is an Arkham Knight. Arkham which Province. Is, it, nice little time but then arkham arkham origins too where he had like his little prequel but i digress i just needed to we needed to acknowledge and then he was like a dream well no in arkham knight he yeah he was in he was in batman's head spoilers 
Uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah. We have to throw that out there. No, no, no. Ar- See, you said, Arkham Knight, you like, said oh, this last get me, podcast. Get me on these spoilers, You were man. like, oh, if you've never Talking played about this games game. yeah. that came out years ago. Yeah, well, I'm going to put I'm gonna put spoilers in the show notes. Steve loves to shoot from the hip with games. And he's like, what, what if you ever played it yet? <laughs> <laughs> You haven't played That's it. That's the point. If you haven't played it yet, you probably well, aren't going to play Your excuse on the it. last podcast was, hey, if you haven't played Red Dead Redemption yet, you stink. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by that. If you haven't played it yet, That's you fair. do stink. <laughs> so I was battling back and forth for a while on this. I was going to go with Kratos and say that as he's like supposed to be the protagonist, he's actually the villain, but I'm going to save that for another conversation some other day. And I'm just going to stick with... The classic Revolver Ocelot. I knew it. There I it is. It. Metal Gear. Is going to love yeah. this. <laughs> it had to be in there. But Revolver Ocelot is one of the greatest, most in-depth, layered villains of all time. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great name. He's got, he's got a great name. <laughs> he's got a fantastic name. But for somebody who starts off as a minuscule side character, he's quite literally the first boss you fight in Metal Gear Solid 1, which is obviously saying, well, if he's the first boss, he must be the easiest boss. Really wasn't the case. He was kind of a hard battle. Like, we can ask uh, our good buddy Caleb with Sasquatch Armada how he handled the revolver his first time. He got killed a few times. So he's basically supposed to be this afterthought. Like, all right, whatever. He's just a side character. And then throughout the series of uh, all those Metal Gear Solid games, you realize how integral he is to the entire franchise. Without him, like, the whole Phantom Pain story doesn't even work because he does all the legwork for Big Boss to, like, keep everything going strong while he's in that coma. I guess that's a spoiler <laughs> from Ground Zeroes. Hey, if you haven't played Ground Zeroes and Phantom Pain, Big Boss goes into a coma. Anyway, so he becomes the main person you're supposed to be fighting in the second one. Uh, he, t- he steals the show in the third one with him and uh, Big Boss as their little prequel. Uh, where you kind of see how Big Boss trains him to be who he becomes. And it's tough. You can almost make an argument that he's actually, when you really break down the minutia of Hideo Kojima's (laughs) web of Metal Gear Solid (laughs) stories, you can kind of make a case that Revolver Ocelot's actually like the good guy in this whole thing. But from a gameplay standpoint, you as the character are supposed to go attack him. He's He's the villain. And... In that, like Metal Gear Solid 4, the fight scene at the end with Solid Snake and Revolver Ocelot is one of the coolest fight scenes in video game history. It's absolutely fantastic. He's got the bionic arm now, so he's just got this outrageous arm so he can just punch people as hard as he can. I don't even know how Snake survived this. But, and also, he's, you know, the fastest gun of all time. Six bullets, enough to kill anything that moves. I believe is the quote from Metal Gear Solid. I would be hard pressed to kill an elephant with six bullets. I bet Revolver Ocelot could do it. That's true. That's why he's on this list. Anyways, Revolver Ocelot. He is one of the best villains of all time because he has more depth than most of the villains out there. He's probably five or six steps ahead of everybody who's coming after him because he's just that smart. And again, six bullets. Enough to kill anything that moves. All right, Manny. What about you? Well, unsurprisingly, probably my favorite villain in gaming is, spoilers, the final boss of Dark Souls 1, Gwyn, Lord of Cinder. So I'm going to give a little sort of back history of this guy, and then I'll talk about sort of the encounter with him at the end of Dark Souls 1. 
So uh, there's a very complicated and and much like Kojima's world of, of Metal Gear Solid, there's like a very intricate and um, yeah, it, there's a web. So the timeline is like kind of crazy and the, and the things that happen and the people that exist at different parts of the timeline are also crazy. But I'm just going to drop in at uh, the age of fire and in an effort to make it last and sort of extend for what he hoped would be eternity, he decided to link the fire, which essentially means he lit himself on fire. And so it's interesting because I think what makes him really cool and what made him really cool for me when I played Dark Souls 1 was thematically not really him and his, like the fight wasn't even that hard or that, I mean, it was actually really good uh, and it was really well made, but he's, he's not that hard of a character. And it's because you, you, you play this entire game, you play like whatever, 80 hours of Dark Souls 1 and you've been hearing about win lord of cinder and you're like holy shit this guy's gonna be huge and he's gonna be really tough and he's gonna be like this ripped dude or something i don't know and then you finally get to uh the killing of the first flame which is where he i guess lives um i don't know what he pays for rent but that's where he lives and it's a gigantic kiln not as much as you pay it's true um and he's like a haggard old man so he does like elemental damage obviously with fire which is a thing and so like it's best to use an elemental shield that can block fire um and but there's like really sad music playing like it's not intense fight music it's like a really sad piano piece it's just like a really jaw-dropping moments where it's like oh shit like i'm i shouldn't be scared of this guy granted like i died a thousand times because of course, the mechanics are challenging until you until you learn to parry. That's basically how you beat him. Spoilers. Um, but it was just like really interesting because you spend the whole game hearing about this like legend, this you know Lord of Cinder, um, and then you finally get to him, and he's not all he's sort of chalked up to be. Um, and it's more evident. It's evident that he's more desperate than anything else to keep the the fire going. And then it's interesting in Dark Souls Two. There's some implications that his sort of um like his like essence is still around you don't physically see him in that game um and then in dark souls 3 spoiler the final boss of dark souls 3 isn't said to be like all of the souls that linked the first flame so it's like gwen and all his buddies that you killed throughout dark souls 1 and 2 are in this one character that you're fighting um and he does use the same moveset that gwen used in dark souls 1 and a really similar piano theme is being played like it's almost identical um, so I just kind of like the lore and the theme that goes on during the fight and sort of the arc that he takes from Dark Souls 1 to Dark Souls 3. Yeah, again, I, I don't think it would be the, the toughest guy to beat in the world, but it was definitely it made for a really impactful experience in that last boss fight. So that's why everybody should buy and play Dark Souls 1, and everybody should buy it when it comes out on Switch. So here we are. We've all talked about the villains that we enjoy the most. Now we're going to go around the group and we're going to talk about what we see as the ultimate result of a super fight between these characters. I don't know how we're going to structure this. This is a mess. <laughs> no, we got it. I, I, I have so I have parameters. So hang on. Before, before you do that, just to recap, we have Jack of Blades from Fable. We have Christina, what was yours again? Handsome Jack from Borderlands Handsome Jack. 2. We have Handsome Jack from Borderlands 2. We have GLaDOS from Portal 1 and 2. We have Revolver Ocelot from Metal Gear Solid. And we have Gwyn... Lord of Cinder from Dark Souls 1. So, Matt, let us know how we're going to structure this. What's the deal? Sure. So, this would be a fight between just each of them as individuals. So, you can think of it, they're in either a large field or a large area where they are all in a circle. If they have mechanical requirements, as GLaDOS would have, those are there 
for her to function properly. It's handicap accessible. This arena for GLaDOS. <laughs> it's very inclusive. Yes, it just... conforms to ADA requirements. I'll say right now, she's at a massive disadvantage. Because, <laughs> like, how couldn't you just say, like, oh, well, GLaDOS would just surround them in some death trap of a room yeah but also like glados needs to be attached to the ceiling what if like we're fighting outside yeah she's she's literally an ai in a facility i'm 110 percent taking revolver ocelot because again six bullets enough to kill anything that moves <laughs> i don't know i don't know so i actually think that glados's requirement to be uh, a building, a building, <laughs> not, not a building, but like it, she, she needs, needs a lot support. of structure around her to be effective. I actually think that's a huge disadvantage to her, unless she f- is the environment. Yeah, are you fighting in a Gladys building? No, you're not. All right, let's let's set some let's set some parameters. Ready? We have to set the stage so we have some parameters to work with. <laughs> Instead of just asking questions <laughs> and never getting answers. Well, I tried to do it. Everyone started talking. I know. There's I a know. lot of questions so, with that. Let's Hold say them. we're fighting in an arena. Okay. Okay. GLaDOS is hanging from the ceiling as she does in the final fight in, in Portal. Mm-hmm. She is not the building. Mm. It is just GLaDOS. She doesn't have all the traps from the levels okay. of Portal. Then what can GLaDOS do? I forget. What is she, does she shoot? She has Portal? access. Does well, she... she has access to like the turrets that come out of the wall. And there's a huh. time limit because she fills the room with neurotoxin. So if, mean, you don't ki- if you don't kill her in like three minutes, then is you die. The room, is the room properly ventilated? Yeah, I actually see all of these things as disadvantages for GLaDOS because she's so inflexible. That's what I mean. Yeah, so <laughs> I think I'm she's out. I'm just GLaDOS saying I think out. she's out. I think she's done. And I think we move on. Is it an outdoor arena? No! Stop <laughs> asking Well, GLaDOS still questions. has her, her passive aggressiveness. I think you said Gwent's very depressed. <laughs> she has her sassiness. I think to Gwent her would just—he he would make Gwent just ta- just give up because he seems to not want to fight in the first <laughs> place. She's like, "You're not even a real king. You are an old man that lives in a bucket in a giant <laughs> killed." So either either she's out because of her mechanical requirements, or I think the other option is that the other four villains are smart enough to know that she's the most powerful at the beginning of the fight and they're gonna go for her and defeat her first and then fight each other see that's a good point that's a very good point yeah so i think either way she's out okay yeah i'm not debating that (laughs) yes so i think she's out and we move on but that's why the questions needed to be asked because if she was the room she could have turned herself into just a pit of lava and then they all burn all right so let's say gladys is out I think I think I'll agree to that. So who do we have left? We have Jack of Blades, we have Handsome Jack, Revolver Ocelot, and Gwyn. I'm gonna go out and limb and say Gwyn is probably gonna be the first or second next person to die. Really? Why? Because he's old, he's tired, and well, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way: Is there armor? They would have whatever they have normally in the game. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Revolver Ocelot's wearing a bunch of leather. <laughs> and <laughs> and spurs. And a bandana around his neck. Handsome Jack, what does he wear in, in He wears hip dad clothes. <laughs> All right, so uh, Gwen is looking pretty good right now, actually. Yeah. Because he's got a sword literally made of fire. Yeah. That's a good sword. But is he, like, vulnerable to bullets, or is he some sort of, like, magic entity? So mm. he, he's not magic. He's, I mean, uh, there are no guns in Dark Souls. Ooh, um, wild card. I imagine he's vulnerable to bullets, but he's also incredibly hard to 
hit. He's like hard to pin down. I thought he was old and tired. He's got a lot of movement for somebody as old and tired. I think Handsome Jack's humanness is a huge disadvantage for him. And I think he's out next. Mm -hmm. I think he's easily Mm -hmm. killed. The only thing he has going for him, he can turn invisible and he had and he oh. could like can can we can we time out and 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 think about putting uh steve's confidence aside revolver ocelot is just like a, a sharpshooter cowboy no 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 i no 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 whoa 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 i saw this one coming whoa 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 okay a sharpshooter cowboy get the fuck out of here with that just right off assessment of revolver ocelot i mean because i love revolver I think, ocelot i think it's coming down to revolver ocelot and jack of blades because Jack of Blades sounds very menacing, and he's also manipulative, cunning, dark, devious, like he'll do some fucked up shit. But Revolver Ocelot's also the guy who was like a quadruple agent. He was playing like 17 different people against each other. So he's But that just doesn't as... help you if you're in... So, all right, you add that manipulating... Excuse me. Steve's getting excited. So you add that manipulation... <laughs> <laughs> I am getting excited. You fired me up just calling him a sharpshooter cowboy, just writing him off like he's just some hobo. I know, I know. Anywho, I did that on purpose. You add the manipulation on top of the fact that he is, as you say, a sharpshooter cowboy, then he has the abilities to basically fuck with his enemies however he wants to because he if he wants to he can play on their side and act like he's their friend and then turn on them when it's advantageous to him like how much time does he have to do that he's gonna be like <laughs> hey guys let's fucking talk it out That's and the then issue. obviously like he just has fight. to want and honestly as the sharpshooter cowboy he'll put one between the eyes of old man Gwyn in two seconds honestly Gwyn might be the first one out just because revolver ocelot's pissed off at him well this is a metal gear solid character so he doesn't have 45 minutes to talk about his plans first <laughs> i'd say that handsome jack's probably out yeah i'll agree to that just because he's a human but he can go invisible i mean he can, that's he can go clutch. invisible he has um he gets like a body double thing and if you're factoring in everything um i don't think it'd work in this situation but the like space station he can like summon down like these missiles and nukes <laughs> what from it. Yeah. that's a huge advantage i think i think handsome jack is back I actually in. yeah i think i just but changed my pick I it's handsome jack oh but I if he's if allowed to have the space station we should have it in my can facility you, can you let me finish <laughs> i don't know that he would have that in this situation if you're in a stadium i don't think you and it's not like we're on pandora so i don't think it counts we'll sign a nuclear weapons accord <laughs> So yeah. no nukes, because Revolver Ocelot has his hands on nukes at all times too. So let's let's not forget that. Let's not forget that, people. Matt, break down uh, Jack of Blades for us. How would he fare in this fight, knowing the most about him? Probably this episode is a shit show, by the way. Coming from HR, coming from HR, I can take a sort of impartial opinion on That's this. So not true. And <laughs> I. <laughs> I legitimately think Jack of Blades would absolutely be in the running for winning it only because he's basically an immortal uh, murderer fighter. He's mastered all of the, so it's like will, strength, and skill or something. He's all, all of the fighting techniques you can. So he's got magic yes, on his side. Yes, skill is one of them, of course. Well, no, in Fable. In Fable, that's what it's called, I think. Um so he's got magic on his side. He's got the ability to fight with blades on his side. He turns into a dragon in uh, Anniversary, whatever, Lost Chapters or something. Also, whoever his mask is on is then corrupted by him and becomes the next Jack of Blades. 
So I th- I think he's in the running. That's to, a that's a pretty pretty decent it. toolbox. He's got yeah, there. he's got a really big toolbox, um, as you said. And whoa, I don't know. I think whoa, gross man. I think he could possibly win. Unless there's some like crazy stuff going on, I don't know. I'm gonna say with the tech, with this space station bullshit, and with invisibility, plus Jack of Blades' abilities and his, as you say, toolbox. I'm gonna say in whatever order, Steve, Gwyn, and Revolver are out. I think it comes down to Jack of Blades and Revolver, for being honest. But that's just mm. me. I omitted Handsome Jack on the assumption that he doesn't have he doesn't have access to his nukes. <laughs> Did he have them in his final boss confrontation? Not in, in two, two. Not in two. He uses them against you, like throughout the story. Like you, if you look in the sky, you can see the space station like shooting down stuff, like throughout mm. while you play. But it's not in the boss fight. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's why I'm saying. Does he have invisibility in the boss fight? In pre sequel, he does. Not in two. Jack also says the gods and demons you fear and worship are as nothing to um, me. Matt just looked some shit up on the wiki. Yeah, but again, six bullets. Enough to kill anything. But not when you're an immortal demon who can possess people with a mask. I'll be honest. I I think Jack of Blades will end up taking it ultimately. Um, I think it'd be between him and Ocelot. All right. So let's go around. Final answer. Lock it in for sure. Victor. We're going to start with Christine. Go. Jack of Blades, please. Okay. Matt? Jack of Blades. Okay. Matt O'Neill? Jack of Blades in a traditional confrontation and uh, GLaDOS if we were in the facility. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He had to do it. He had to do it. Uh, Steve? I'm going to stay true to my roots and I'm sticking with Revolver Ocelot. Okay. And I'm going to say Gwen, Lord of Cinder. Okay, guys. That's been episode (laughs) 13 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we did. We had a lot of fun. I've had a decent amount of wine, but I think it's been cool sort of talking about uh, all of our favorite villains and uh, what they might look like in, in, in a fight together. I think that's a, a fun, I don't know where I'm going. That's a fun thing to talk about. That's a fun scenario. Ask them about their favorite villains and stuff. Uh, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> let us know what your favorite villains are. Hit us up on Twitter. Join our Discord. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. And uh, as always, wherever you are, Wherever you're listening from, we appreciate you very much, and we will talk to you very soon. Holy shit, what did you do? My mic. Oh no. That's it. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs>